0: Welcome to the Hillside Podcast. We trust that you'll be impacted by listening to today's message. Can you guys hear me? Yes. I want to apologize for my voice if it's going to cut out every now and then. I've had laryngitis this week and I had absolutely no voice at all and it, my kids really enjoyed that. And I thought I was not going to be able to preach tonight, but I was like, get behind me, Satan, you know, and it worked. So here I am. So yeah, before we start, I'm just going to pray again, because there's actually such an amazing spirit here this evening, and I feel like Dad is going to do something so special with us tonight. So yeah, let's just close our eyes and see what Dad wants to do. Yeah, Holy Spirit. I just welcome you yeah. You're already here, Holy Spirit. And we just, we just pray that you will have your way with us tonight. Lord, I pray that you will continue to just work with us tonight. I pray that you will continue to just soften our hearts, open our minds, open our ears, give us new eyes to see, give us new revelations tonight. Holy Spirit, I just... Declare that this is your home, and we just welcome you here tonight. Have your way with me, have your way with all of us, in Jesus' name. So I want to get into the Word, so if you've got your Bible or your app, please go to 2 Samuels 6, verse 14. Actually, I'm lying. Verse 16. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in a place inside the tent that David had pitched for it, and David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, a cake of raisins, to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women. And all the people went to their homes. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, dancing around half naked in full view of the slave girls. In a vulgar way, David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. Now let's go to Luke 19. We all know this story. Zacchaeus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamorphic tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and I will have... And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. One more, bear with me. We're going to Luke 7, verse 36. Now. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in the town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if that's, this man was a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said, two people owe money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wetted with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman has not stopped kissing me since she's arrived. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. So what does a king, a businessman, and a sinful woman have in common? They all will go to whatever measure and extreme to get into his presence. Because they know that getting into his presence is more important than what people think of you. They know that getting into his presence is the most important thing that can ever happen. Let's look at King David. When we went to Israel, we had this very colorful tour guide. And we went to the upper room, and actually we didn't go into the upper room because there was just way too many people. But we sat in the courtyard and there was a statue of King David. And everyone was taking these pictures of King David and our group was like, oh, it's amazing, it's King David taking pictures. And our tour guide actually started getting really offended by this. And so we looked at this, and we were like, is this a bit odd? But okay, we, just, we knew he was not a Christian. And so we get back on the bus, and me being me, and I love asking questions, and I said to him, what about King David offends you? And whoa, I maybe should have been quiet. So he goes on to tell us that the King David that we read in the Bible is not the King David that they believe in. He goes on to say that King David was a womanizer, a liar, a manipulator, really not a nice guy. He goes on to say that actually they spit on that statue when they walk past it because they actually think he is the most disgusting king that has ever lived. And we sat there and the people got quite offended and I thought to myself, sure, you should read the Bible. Because King David doesn't actually hide any of those things. You know, King David is very open about his life. He doesn't live the secret life. But the difference between King David and what this man's perception of it is, is that King David knew that without God's presence and without God's love, that he is going to be a sinful man. And he knew that he was not going to be able to do this thing called life or even be a king without being in his presence. And that is why King David can stand there and rip his clothes off and dance undignified. Now, when they say undignified, he looked like a hooligan. He was naked. They're being very just, he was naked. He was jumping and dancing because he knew what this God has done for him. He knew who God was, and he knew it didn't matter What the servants or even his wife thought of him, what mattered was what his king thought of him. And what mattered was being in that king's presence is all that matters. And that is why we talk about King David. That is why we don't look like that man was saying he is not even worthy of respect. No, that takes courage to get undignified in front of people. It takes courage to get into God's presence. He's an amazing king. We look at Zacchaeus. We all have been taught this story in Sunday school. We even have little songs about old Zacchaeus. And there he is, the short little man climbing up a tree. The thing about Zacchaeus, he was a very wealthy businessman. A very wealthy businessman. And a sycamore fig tree is massive. I was showing the boys this afternoon, it's a massive tree. It's not just this little tree and he just sort of, he climbed that tree. It's the equivalent of taking Elon Musk. And he hears there's this character coming to town. He's got something special on him. And he's like, I'm stirred to go see this man. So yeah, Elon Musk goes and he's like, oh, there's so many people. I'm going to climb a tree. Now we read that. And we just assume that is normal. But who actually goes and climbs a tree to see a man that there's just rumors about? Okay, he doesn't know yet who Jesus is. He doesn't know yet what Jesus is going to do. He doesn't know yet that Jesus is going to die for his sins. He doesn't know yet who Jesus is. But he humiliates himself by climbing into a tree in front of His village, the people know him. They know he's a very wealthy man. But he humbles himself because he knows that there's something on this man that I need to get. And he knows that I am going to go through whatever humiliation it's going to take because that is more important than what someone thinks of me. So he climbs a tree, a wealthy businessman, and the people are like, whoa, Jesus, you can't go with this guy. And Jesus is like, this man climbed a tree for me. (laughs) You know, he went that little bit further because he knew, he knew that there was something about this man. He knew that there was something about his presence. They knew, he knew that if he can just get close to this man, he's not saved But something inside of him is like, I need to be with this man. And it changes his whole life. It transforms his whole life. He gets saved. He gets forgiven. Just by not caring what people think of you? Just about being who God says you are? The sinful woman. Do you not think that she knew walking into that house how she was going to be judged? Probably stoned even. That's a real, real fear. But she knew what is more important, getting to that man's feet. What is more important than her life getting to that man's feet. What is more important than what people are going to say about her? Getting to that man's feet. Because at his feet is where everything changes. At his feet is where all the voices go away. You see, at that moment when she's having that encounter with Jesus... All she is seeing is him. She's not hearing the voices. She's not hearing the judgment. All she is having is that encounter with him. And at the end of the day, that is all that matters. It's all that matters is that encounter and getting into his presence. You see, everything we go through—sickness, finances, depression, shame, judgment, fear—you can name. I mean, the list is endless. The enemy comes and he gets in our ears, and he's trying to distract us from getting to his feet. He's trying to distract us from getting into his presence. He's trying to distract us because he actually knows the power that is in his presence. He actually knows if we really believe who God says we are, that we are actually going to change the world. He knows that if we actually walk in our true identity, what Christ says we are, he's in trouble. He knows that if we get into God's presence, he cannot get into God's presence. So he knows if we get alone with our Savior's feet, when we get alone with him, the devil cannot get in there. He cannot get in there. He's got no access to that moment with God. So he knows, if he comes and distracts you, and he knows that when worship happens and the worship team says, please guys, come a bit forward, we're like, oh my gosh, what's my neighbor going to say? What's going to happen when I put my arms up? Heaven forbid I actually dance a bit. My problems is more important than getting into God's presence. My problems is more important what people think about me is more important than getting into God's presence. We're all guilty of that. I'm guilty of that. But the enemy knows if he can get us out of God's presence, then he's got out, yeah. Then we start thinking, "Oh, what are we having for lunch today?" "Hmm, my kids are being really naughty today. Oh, I haven't seen you for a while. Hi." He knows that's his weapon. His weapon is trying to get us out of God's presence. This is not to rebuke us. What I want to do is equip us because I believe if we want to see revival, we need to get back to God's presence. If we want to see revival in our city, if we want to see revival in our church, if we want to see revival in our youth, we want to see revival in our schools, if we want to see revival in our workplace, we need to get back into his presence. And not just get back into his presence, we need to stay in his presence. Because that is where everything matters. See, Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit to help us, to guide us. And the enemy has been so good at getting us out of his presence. He's been so good lying to us, making us believe that we actually are in his presence. We, quite frankly, we're not. Have you ever seen anyone get undignified in front of God? I actually have not. Have you ever seen someone climb a tree to get closer to God's presence? I have not. I've seen people queue and climb trees to go to rock concerts. I've seen that. Have you ever got so stuck on the carpet where you don't care what people think? because His presence is actually all that matters. You see, it doesn't matter actually what you're going through. It actually does not matter. It might sound horrible, it does not matter. Because when you're in His presence, everything will be resolved. When you're in His presence, your depression will go. When you're in His presence, you will get healed. So I want you to have a real conversation this week with God. I want you to get into His presence, but to really get into His presence. I want you to get uncomfortable, because getting into His presence is uncomfortable. The enemy does not like it. I can tell you now, as soon as you make time to get into His presence, there's going to be a crisis. There's going to be some emergency. There's going to be something that's going to come up that's going to make you not do it. So there you go. Your warning is there. But will you climb a tree? Will you get undignified? Will you cry at his feet? Or will you care what the person next to you thinks? Is what they think more important Than what he has done. You know, the amazing thing about David and Zacchaeus and the sinful woman is they didn't even know what Jesus was going to do for them. They didn't know the end story. David didn't even know Jesus. (laughs) You know, he had God, but he didn't know Jesus. Zacchaeus did not know that Jesus was going to die for him on a cross. We know what he has done we actually know so how much more should we be in his presence knowing what we know there's always this saying that when you just get saved you in what they call a honeymoon period all you do is talk about Jesus you just want to get on the streets just want to pray for the sick by the way do you know Jesus Have you met Jesus? Jesus changed my life. Jesus is amazing. And then it goes away. And we've kind of believed that lie that that's just what happens. You get saved. You're full of fire. You're full of passion. And then you get into real life and real church. That's a lie from the enemy. I'm going to call it for what it is. That is a lie. And we draw a line right now. There's no such thing as the honeymoon phase with Jesus. There's no such thing. If I were to say to Graham, babes, I just loved you when we just got married. At first six months was wow. Now I just tolerate you and kind of just hang with you every now and then. And then I like you, oh I'm busy. That's not how relationship works. That's not how it works we've been married now for more than 16 years and we're still in the honeymoon period. And that's how it should be. Jesus died for us. In his presence is where it matters. So I'm going to prayerfully read this song because I really felt like this song just explains it, and I want to pray this over us. But guys, you know, God has been speaking to me so much this week about this, at the power of his presence and how much I have even allowed myself to be embarrassed about getting into his presence, how I have even started to believe that I should tone myself down a bit Because it makes other people feel uncomfortable. But you know what? It's like, I actually don't care. (laughs) Because I actually care more about him than you. And I actually care more about being in his presence than what you think of me. So I love you guys. But I'm going to get more crazy. (laughs) I'm going to make you feel uncomfortable. Because I started to believe the lie. I started to believe the lie that let's not make people feel uncomfortable. Let's not do that. We don't want to chase people away. Chase people away with Jesus. How can we do that? So we start believing that lie. Slowly it starts trickling in. Don't be too crazy in worship. I'm going to scare those new people away. There's probably two new people, but you're more concerned about the two new people than your encounter with God. Jesus. We just love you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. He's suffering from depression and even the word that Richard brought about shame. If this makes you feel uncomfortable, you get into his presence. See, it is uncomfortable because the enemy wants to stop you from walking in your destiny. And it's in his presence where your destiny gets unlocked. It's in his presence where you start hearing him clear. So it's a Bethel song and it's called Fall Afresh. I just want to really read this over us and just open your hearts and just see where Dad is telling you where you have believed a lie, just like I have believed a lie that I need to turn myself down for people. Awaken my soul. Come awake to hunger, to seek, to thirst. Awaken our first love. Come awake. And do as you did at first. Spirit of the living God, come fall afresh on us right now. Come wake us from our sleep. Blow through the caverns of our souls Pour in us to overflow. Spirit, come and fill this place. Let your glory now invade. Spirit, come now and fill this place. Let your glory invade. And fall afresh on us. When I was chatting to Dad, I actually was going to ask the worship team to come up but I'm not because I don't want us to get into the habit that we need worship music to get into his presence because we don't so Holy Spirit I just pray right now that you will speak to us this week you will show us those places where we have believed those lies Holy Spirit I pray right now that you will just stir that love in us again We come against the lie of the enemy. We speak revival of first love right now in Jesus' name. A revival of a first love. A revival of your presence. A revival for your passion. A revival for your love. A revival and a desire for your presence. Let us spend more time by your feet. I love you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your story if you've been encouraged by this episode. You can connect with us on Facebook or leave a review on our podcast.